Which Hogwarts house do you belong in? What color palette best represents your personality? Choose a day's worth of meals to find out which 80s metal band you are. What do all of these have in common? They all seek to help us answer the question, who am I? Or who are you? Silliness and triviality of some of these options aside, people's personalities are some of the most relevant puzzles we will ever come into contact with, especially those of us who work in the service of others and helping them learn. Join the Guild for this discussion of personality types and how they can help us piece together a clearer picture of others and ourselves. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Copeland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Welcome back, everyone, for season two of the Grounded Learners Guild. So back in our first season in our The Games We Play episode, we had discussed the power of active games like breakout escape rooms where players solve a series of puzzles to crack a code and accomplish a goal. The process that occurs from meeting someone as a stranger to truly relating to them as a person and meeting their needs as a learner can be a little bit like this. An understanding of others occurs through a series of interactions, each interaction hopefully providing pieces of the personality puzzle that piece by piece elucidates who that person is and what they are going to need from you as a coach. Valuable, important work, but slow, especially for those of us who might only have a school year to reach learners, maybe even less. But any puzzle or escape room fanatic will tell you how valuable it is to have some sort of hack, tip, or hint in the back of your pocket to help you play the game. And that's really where personality types come in. They're like the picture on the puzzle box that you get. They can provide you with a framework and some guidance to help you piece things together a bit more quickly and efficiently to hack that game. So in this episode today, we're going to utilize the science of personality types, not to box in, but to offer customization and individualized learning and communication techniques so that we can serve others better. So let's kind of unpack a little bit why the science of personality types helps us with our main goal with the Grounded Learners Guild of education, leadership, and teaming. Why is understanding personality types helpful? Honestly, I think this is where it comes back to using that coaching lens to look at things. And as coaches, and and you know what, maybe I need to zoom out on this a little bit. It's not just coaches, but all educators are students of people. They need to learn about the people that they serve in order to meet their needs. Like every teacher who differentiates for students has to do Mm -hmm. this, learn who their kids are and what the best way to approach them is. And as educator coaches, we need to do the same as well. We need to start getting to know different people in the teaching staff or that we might be working with in the professional world to try to figure out how are we going to coach this person? What is the best way to approach them? How might we want to ask questions or design professional learning or or what is it that they need? And the more you get to know people's personalities, 
typifying is just a way of helping you sort things into groups or piles to help maybe make some quicker decisions, just like one might even do with formative assessment results. Yeah. And the moment we start to standardize everything, and if we're standardizing the way we work with people, we start to get vanilla or it gets bland or the people that you're working with can really sense that it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the more work we do with personalities or helping ourselves understand the type of personality we're working with and catering our approach in our communications, in our interactions, I find that the more we're able to really meet their needs, and then they can really sense that you're being authentic and genuine with them. And then they're more willing to open up to you for the needs or the learning that they are about to embark on. Yeah. And I'm probably going to say something obvious, but doesn't matter leaning in towards it. Everything I've learned about leadership over the past four years has been stressing relationships, right? You get to know people and the more you get to know people, the better you can lead them. And I think this is just a subtopic of this by getting and establishing a relationship and learning about the personalities of the people that you serve and that you work with. That's just really solid, strong relationship building at its core. You bring up a really good point there because we all know that relationships are at the heart of all that we do in this service industry and working with humans. And Casey, you're right. Well, once we know somebody or once you get to know their personality, now what? What does that mean? And so hopefully in what we talk about today, we give our listeners some strategies. I know a lot of the stuff I've learned from from Emily, because this is your jam, right? Yeah, I nerd out (laughs) on this stuff. You know that. So when we talk about personality types, there's a number of different schools of thought, air quotes here, or buckets, different personality tests that you can use as your toolbox or your toolkit. We're going to talk about four key examples. And Emily, I'm going to start with you. If you could please talk to us a little bit about the Myers-Briggs personality test. I would say most likely if you've heard of a personality type indicator, it's been this one. And that's actually what the MBTI, when you see that acronym, what that stands for is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And it basically splits all people into 16 varied personalities. And there's some that even go a little bit deeper than that, some that don't when they look at the Myers-Briggs. But more or less, they're measuring whether people are introverted or extroverted, whether they tend to be more intuitive or sense things around them and work with what actually is. There's then the thinking versus feeling indicators there. And then the last one is judgment versus perception. So it really takes a look at the person and how they relate with the world. It also will look at like whether somebody is keeping things in the now or likes to project their visions into what could be and how they emotionally or logically address the world around them, among other things. And what that helps you do is as you look at people in those different types, you can really start to understand a little bit more about people as learners. And that's why I like it so much is because there's those ideas of people planning ahead, people being a little more logical, or people working at things more on an emotional level. Depending on where they fall on that, you might get some really good clues into how somebody's going to communicate or what they might be receptive to in their learning. So Emily, what are you? I am an INFP, so introverted, intuitive, and a feeler and perception person. So 
basically that means that I'm a little bit of a daydreamer, project things into the future, like to live in a land of creation and possibility and super idealistic. Not the world's most organized, but we all all know this about me, right? (laughs) That's no secret. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Jenny? Do you remember yours? So I am, I always have to ask Emily to double check. I'm I'm this one, right? Well, I'm an INFJ. And Emily and I have argued this one over before where she's like, you're extroverted. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm an introvert through and through. So although I enjoy people where you really pull your energy, I'm reflective. I like to be alone. That's where I can really recharge. I don't recharge around people. So that's my first part. And then Emily and I, and actually Casey, we're all very, very similar when Casey, you Mm -hmm. share yours. But where Emily and I differ is that INFJ, where she's the P. And so J is the judgment. I'm like, I don't want to be a judging person. It doesn't really mean that. What does that mean, Emily, with the J? It means you're more systematic and planning. So that thing, that that little jab that I threw myself about not being the most organized, I can hop around from thing to thing, and I'm comfortable not working through things as systematically. Whereas you do like things organized in order, finish this before starting this. And I have seen that in working with you. Mm -hmm. And actually, it helped me a lot (laughs) to have a a partner who did things that way. But in truth, I think it just has to do with how you address tasks and how you work through your day or your sense of organization. All right, Casey. So what about you? My turn. So I can't remember what any of these acronyms mean, but I am an ISFJ. But I know it because what's helpful is all of these 16 personality types have a short little word that helps you remember what they are. And so I've always remembered mine as the defender. So I am happiest in service of others. I listen to concerns that other people have and try to identify solutions. One of my favorite quotes is, I take and create order from chaos. Yes, very true. Saying this about you all along, you make something out of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to this later about why this is useful, but it really helps quite a bit knowing these pieces about yourself. The defender piece also means that I do take stuff kind of personally. So it all completes that whole picture of me. Now, the MBTI is not the only personality type science view, if you will. Emily, do you want to talk about a couple of others? Yeah, okay. So these ones I'm going to roll through a little bit more quickly because I'm not as deeply researched Mm -hmm. on them, but these are all different ones that I've come across in professional settings and either been asked to take or just have been presented to me that I have taken just to kind of either better self-knowledge or sort people into groups to talk in a different setting. So any one of these could and has been used in professional learning. So there's also the Enneagram test. The one I took was on Truity, and I was a type four for that one. Everybody gets a number and it tells you a little bit about your personality rather than those four-letter descriptors, you get a number. There's also the color code test, and that's at colorcode.com, where I believe the colors were a white, red, yellow, blue. And we were all blue. All of yes. us. <laughs> and blue was like your people, person, nurturer, basically like if you've got a head for coaching, you probably at least got a little bit of blue in you mm-hmm. because you're looking to try to make relationships with people. Like Casey said earlier, that's really where your heart and soul are. So yeah. interesting, right? And then also we came across very recently Marcus Buckingham's standout strengths assessment. 
And I really liked that one. It gave you a bunch of scenarios and you had four different options that you could pick. And it was probably like 20 plus minutes that you were taking this. But it gave you, again, those words that I find really helpful and stick in my brain. So I was a stimulator and a provider. So it not only tells you your primary mode or what you are, but also has a secondary one and gives you a great breakdown for how you can leverage your skills in each. So I liked that one quite a bit. I like this one too, because he also talks a lot about the professional, how this fits into the professional realm. And so where the color and the Enneagram you can use anywhere in your life, what I really like is how focused that is on how you work and what makes you tick in the job that you do. And it really, too, talked about the way you function with a team of people. So it focused on that team component as well. Yes. That is really why I think these find their ways into professional circles is they either directly apply to or aspects of them apply very much to teaming as well as who you are and how you learn. For our next conversation talking point, one of the things we had brainstormed or discussed when we had threw out this idea for having an episode about personality types was there's a fine line, a very thin tightrope that you walk between personality typing and profiling. So let's talk about why this personality type puzzle is a little tricky. There are some psychological schools of thought that don't like personality typing. And I think the reason for this is that people are complicated. They're complex. People are always in flux and things about them will change. And to just apply somebody a type and make that the box that you put them in forever could lead to some mistakes in communication or in how you design learning for somebody if you just assume that people are are static, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Emily, you had talked even just before we started recording about, oh yeah, my husband, Nick, he was this and then he's that. Like, So people change, people grow. And so that's also an opportunity to discuss that part of it too. You don't want to box people in in such a way that they aren't going to change or couldn't change or that they wouldn't grow as we move from young adulthood into later on. Yeah, and actually you, you make a really good point there by mentioning young adulthood. To those of us who still are in the classroom teaching students, educators, bear in Mm -hmm. mind that that need to consider your your people as being dynamic, even if your students take the, you know, one of these quizzes at the beginning of the year, they might find themselves in a different place or with a different set of experiences or emotions by the end of the year. Kids are in even more rapid flux and less settled into themselves than adult learners can be. So all the more reason to consider all of your humans. Again, this is more of a guide line. This isn't something that you use to box somebody in. And what I would maybe offer as a rule of thumb for this is you can think of it as a way of giving people something, doing something for somebody, a way of giving people kindnesses, but don't ever use it as like, I will not give somebody something or as a way of limiting somebody's experience because then you have boxed somebody and if you're keeping them from getting something or from approaching them a certain way because of their type. So with this episode, we really came to that consensus that it's not our intention to trivialize or judge people to fit specific molds. Ultimately, we want people walking away with this concept that 
coaches, empathetic coaches, coaches who really listen and build relationships are unable to unpack feelings, behaviors, attitudes of those they work with to really be more efficient. So bringing it back to Emily, what you said about, I'm here to serve you. And this is one way that I can ensure that you're going to get what you need at least from a starting off point, but I really do have to listen and be present for that conversation with you. I can honestly say that where this has helped me the most in my practice and working with groups and teams has been how do you serve those people in your life that you don't jive with? So when you hear so much of the three of us here talking together, we jive. So, oh, we're all blue or, oh, we're very similar. And so that's the easy part. Do you really need to know personalities when you just naturally are inclined to work with specific people? But really where I find this is the most impactful work and really where you can be at your best as a coach is when you can identify people that are opposite of you or that don't jive with who you are, but yet it gives you when you are able to identify some of these different hacks or different strategies, how to approach them and be more effective in service of them, even if you don't naturally communicate in the same way. Right. It ties back to the empathy piece. I can't Mm -hmm. necessarily understand what it's like for an extrovert as I can with my introverts because we complement each other really well. But it helps put on that empathy lens to say, okay, this is how you are seeing the world right now. Is this accurate? And it gives you those talking points to be what that person needs in that moment. What are some other reasons why the practice of using personality types in coaching and leadership is useful? Self-knowledge. Like, I've benefited a lot from knowing more about myself and being able to communicate to other people a little bit more succinctly what I need and what my style is. And again, like I know I joke around with it a little bit like, oh, yeah, I'm disorganized. Ha ha ha. But I really think if I can say not I'm disorganized, lol, but I benefit well from having a partner who is Mm -hmm. very structured in how they plan their day and how we work together to work through tasks. Both of you guys have that J at the end and can help me with things like that, which has helped me focus on some of the more creative and possibility-driven things that I can bring to the table without having to be overly concerned with developing skills in myself that I don't have. It helps silence the imposter syndrome for me. Like if I'm able to know myself and say, okay, this is, I'm taking this too personally, I have to dial that back. It helps me name a thing to help me take some ownership back of whatever it is I'm feeling. So bringing back the imposter syndrome gremlins, it helps quiet those jerks down a little bit because (laughs) it's who I am and it provides me a few different ways of approaching that issue when I'm faced with one of those weaker areas for my personality. Typically, when coaching, we think a lot about what current reality is. And if we're applying it to this personality puzzle, we also think about what is the current reality? What kind of problem solving do we need to do? And I can't believe we've gotten so many minutes into this episode without mentioning Emily's professional hall pass, Jane. Yes, I know. And we love her book, Differentiated Coaching, because it goes through all these personality types. And you can flip to the page of the type of personality you are working with and what are their stressors so you can eliminate some of those stressors. And it talks about what are their needs during change so you can tweak or customize a specific 
strategy towards what they're going to need to be able to be effective during change. And I just love that stuff. I think that being able to have a tool that you can flip to to help you through that problem solving, because it's not that the person that either you're working with or yourself is the problem, but the circumstances that you are finding yourself in typically has a problem to solve, right? That's critical thinking at its core. Thank you. And really, that is specifically the reason why Differentiated Coaching by Jane Kesey has been the book that I have opened more than most. Knowing those little tweaks and those stressors and the needs that anybody has that I'm addressing as a learner is huge. And Jenny, another thing you said earlier is kind of sticking in my head, and that was that idea of working with people who are not like you. I think this can be useful, too, by quieting your sense of judgment or maybe even like keeping people from having misunderstandings with others based on the way that they communicate or the way that they learn, just having a better understanding of all of the different ways that people might learn, not just the Myers-Briggs stuff, but looking at all of those personality types and realizing that, like we said, people are complex, people are diverse, people are bringing their own sets of experiences and their own existing personalities to the table, and they might not be like mine at all. And just because we're not completely predisposed to see eye to eye on every issue or even want the same things out of every interaction, it helps me be a better coach by flexing the way I communicate and instead takes any possibility of judgment off the table and helps me understand where someone else might be coming from who's not not at all like me. But that's great. I need them. They need me. We need each other. Right. So many teams have that stated norm, like, okay, everybody, let's agree to seek to understand. But it it becomes something that you just say. This is one way that you can live that norm and live that value. We all agree to seek to understand. That means I'm going to try to understand you and what you need from us in order to be successful. So we've dabbled in our next section, which is really how do we take these amazing theories that we have very seriously talked about and how do we make them personal? How do we bring that theory into action? And we've got a fun way of doing that. Because I'll be honest, I never remember what these acronyms stand for, like the letters. (laughs) I just in one ear and out the other. But we are all familiar with a connection that we're going to make, the TV show Friends. Way to so bring in our summer content. I know, we know right? <laughs> Friends, didn't so make it. <laughs> Friends didn't make it to the pop culture playground, so we're bringing it in now. Yeah, so we're going to imagine for the next section that we uh, have been faced with coaching someone like Monica and coaching someone like Phoebe. So let's first start with Monica's personality. What is her personality type? Oh, queen of personality types. Enlighten us. (laughs) I got you. So I have Monica as an ENTJ. That means she's really confident, high energy, very organized. And again, you know her drive for organizing things and wanting things to be a certain way, but that she's really assertive. She doesn't hold back with her opinions. And this is Monica to a T. She wants that sense of organization. She's comfortable taking on big projects, trying new things, and she will be heard when she has something that she wants to say. I'm looking at our Jane Kesey book and all of the different comment stressors and that sort of thing. The typical area for growth, there's many of them. But for Monica, one of them is being a follower. Think about that. She hates no. being in the, like she wants to be in control. It's just an interesting little tidbit about her. 
I would say our next character isn't exactly a follower. She just is more of that free spirit. But what is Phoebe's personality type? Okay, so I actually had put Phoebe down as an ENFP. So she's still extroverted. And again, she does her singing and she really does thrive on connections with other people. But she more focuses in what if she's a little more go with the flow. You know, she's kind of a hippie and she changes her career. I mean, that's her whole thing, right? (laughs) She likes ideas and possibilities and what ifs and she really does focus on feelings and emotions and connections when you watch her relationships through the show and again that p meaning that she's comfortable bouncing from thing to thing so we've got our two characters we've got our two personality types here so if we wanted to coach those two types the first hack we wanted to share was customizing communication. I'm going to provide a vague example. We have this initiative, we have this program, and we want to get buy-in from these two personality types. How would we customize a message to Monica to get her to be invested? So Monica needs to understand the why first of all. So you need to approach Monica. And actually, I think one of the things Monica also likes is recognizance of her expertise. So you would come to Monica and say, look, you are a teacher leader. You're considered a leader in this institution. Field. Yeah, Yeah, in this field. And we want to talk to you about this idea. It's coming through the pipeline regardless, but we see you as a possible point person that other people could come to for help. So we'd like to let you know what the specifics of this are and help you understand why we're doing that so you can help other people understand. Because Monica, again, wants to be that leader, wants to be in charge, wants to drive action. So if you bring her in as a partner and Mm -hmm. give deference to her expertise, she will respond well to that that type of approach to bring a new initiative about. And Emily, you're talking about her expertise and honoring that. It's also important when you think of her personality type that they really engage with a coach as an expert. So taking on that persona of competence and being prepared for whether you're meeting together individually or being prepared for some project that you have to go to do together, prepare to debate with that person. Like they, Mm -hmm. they really like that and they don't see it as it's not necessarily arguing, but it's being able to talk through scenarios in a debate fashion so you can find the best product at the end. Yeah, yeah that why that you state better be grounded in research. <laughs> it can't just be, a, well, it's what's best for students. You better be very clear on why that initiative is coming through the pipeline. Here's and the what, effect side. <laughs> yeah, the, like, yeah, like be very yeah. specific and practiced and have done your homework because right. she brings an expertise to the table. But if you're going to be telling her something's going to change, we want to bring you in on it, you better be very ready to do that yourself. Yeah, that personality types really value matching and mirroring. So that person values feeling like an expert, that person values preparedness, you've got to come to that conversation and mirror those exact same things. Mm-hmm. What about Phoebe? So Phoebe is a little bit different because, I, again, she's not going to want that same expertise in the coach. She wants her coach to be more collegial and to live in the land of feelings and possibilities and what ifs. So first of all, you need to approach her on a more personal level. 
It's like, hey, I heard that this yeah, there's this new initiative coming through the pipeline. What do you think about, you know, so ask some questions. Don't come in with any top-down communication. Have a sense of humor about it. I mean, Phoebe is one of the funniest friends on the show, mm-hmm. and that's not for nothing. Her type responds very well to having a sense of humor, maybe being a little bit playful and congenial in how you roll something out to her. And you want to talk through all of her questions and ask some of your own as well to her so that there's more of a question and answer and those those what ifs, those possibilities that really ignite her creativity could become part of the initiative rollout. Yeah, Emily, I wanted to echo a lot of what you just said there, because I'm reading along with Giese's book, page 202 for ENFP. And as you're talking about Phoebe, she wants a coach as a collegial mentor, which you just described there, and even needs during change, humor in the midst of stress. There it is. If you were to bring that humor to Monica, she would not be having it. It would freak her out. It would. (laughs) So it's just really interesting. It's so important to typify people in the sense not to box them in, but to help you serve them better so that you can help them through whatever learning they're engaged with. Yeah. Monica wants all those details. Phoebe wants to to ask some questions. It's such a different approach, even if it's the exact same initiative. Right. Phoebe's got to unpack what she feels about a thing, mm-hmm. not just what her brain is telling her about a thing. It's all about the way she feels about it inside. All right. So we talked about how we would communicate a message to these two people that we are coaching regarding an initiative. Let's say, for example, that Phoebe and Monica aren't really feeling fulfilled in their current work. How would we use their personality types to help them search for what does make them feel fulfilled? So we mentioned earlier this idea of self-knowledge coming from those personality types. And again, this is an opportunity where we can create space for recognizance of what their different types do really, really well. So with Monica, you want to talk about organization. You want to talk about leadership. You want to talk about assertiveness. You want to talk about clarity of communication in terms of some of the things that she does really well. So when she starts looking for a position to better suit her needs, Monica can hold hopefully find something that is a little more leadership driven where she can find herself in that role where she's comfortable structuring things, communicating to others and helping things be orderly, be successful. You can help her focus on long-term impact, what Mm -hmm. that could look like and finding that running towards something, not running away from something Mm -hmm. and paths to advancement. She is competitive. She's looking for achievement. So how do you help her find those things that drive her and inspire her to do her best work? Yep. And then for Phoebe, with her, you're going to be talking more about her creativity, her warmth, her empathy, her energy, her sense of humor, her ability to, I don't want to get too into her hippie stuff, but her ability to empathize and sense where others are coming from and bring that into her conversations or her interactions or her work with people. I mean, and it's interesting, she works as a masseuse for a long time on this show, but When you think about being able to read what other people are needing or what they want or what they're coming to, to the literal table with in her her world, the ability to pick up on people's energies is something that she excels at and that serves her well there. It might serve her well in a different setting. So with her, you're going to want to find her a real people-driven job, something where she has a lot of 
freedom and flexibility to explore, to brainstorm, to come up with new ideas, to try new things, to entertain, to be around other people and Mm -hmm. have fun, be creative, sing, be silly. She might be a very good classroom teacher if she was not the Phoebe Buffay that she is in some other senses, but in a lot of ways, the ENFP type is very driven to classroom instruction and the type of roles where you are able to be playful and sense what other people are needing from you. She'd be a great kindergartner, first grade teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And as you were talking, Emily, with this laundry list of options for her, I see where it says common stressor is a lack of options for this personality type. They want options. They want diversity. They want change. Think about Phoebe, how much she really doesn't stick in the same path. She trailblazes her own. She wants to have several different jobs at one time, or she makes decisions that other people wouldn't typically do. It's because she likes those options. And so how do you help, whether that's creating multiple opportunities to do work that fulfills you not only financially to be able to support yourself, but fulfills you in, in such a way that you can also grow into who you are. For example, we're not making money in this podcast, but how much are we inspired to do this kind of work? And it's another option for us. And that's something that you could help her find in her own regard. Or as a kindergarten teacher, what kind of options are you working for that allows you to not be boxed in and to be able to risk take? So our last scenario for these two. Now, there's a couple of different models when it comes to instructional coaching. Instructional coaching can be entirely choice-based or it could kind of be systemic wide, everyone's got a coach and everyone has to engage in a coaching cycle. How would Monica react and how would you have to get Monica's buy-in for a non-optional coaching cycle? You have to play to that competitiveness that Jenny mentioned before. I think you have to mention, Monica, you are a cutting edge employee and you have so many strengths, but let's take this to the next level for you. Let's level you up. You are awesome. Let's go even more awesome. What drives you? What's exciting you right now? Monica has to do it, but she's not going to like anything that feels like she is in trouble or being picked Mm -hmm. on because she does not like that. But on the flip side, if you can basically play to that competitiveness and tell her that you're just here to help everybody compete at their highest level and you know that she's awesome, but you also would just be floored to see what her next level would be. So what's she passionate about? And that's where you could get her to start talking. I wonder what it would be like, too, if you had that conversation with her to say, hey, I really want to partner with you to create some buy-in for this program because you're so good. If people yeah. see you as being coached that could do great things and inspire some other people so i wonder treating her like that expert would be another way that you could approach getting her buy-in so what about phoebe phoebe again needs it to be collegial and personable so again you have to be a little bit self-effacing you have to be gentle and you have to listen a lot so this mandatory thing is not going to sit well with phoebe just because she doesn't like rules, she doesn't like being boxed in, she doesn't like a lot of those really structured situations. So you have to treat it a little bit more organically. And rather than being like, well, we all have to do coaching, so it's your turn, Phoebe. Be like, Phoebe, I've been watching you all year. You're such an interesting teacher. I just want to know a little bit more about what makes you tick. 
is it cool if I come visit your classroom and maybe we sit down for a conversation at some point? I would just love to get to know you a little bit better and learn more about how you do what you do. Right, and even keep it loose. Like, do you mind if I come in sometime next week and visit? Or give her options, meaning we can do coaching this way. We could do a book study together and give her a menu of choices and have her pick something that she feels reflects what her values are. And if you keep it in the land of creativity and how you can, as a coach, connect it to the bigger picture of the larger mandated initiative, but allow for and honor and say, how are we going to keep your creative autonomy and agency in this process? And I'm going to honor that for you. I know you need that. And can I be a partner with you? And truly, that initial contact with Phoebe is just the hump you need to get over. The second you start asking questions and Mm -hmm. bringing it into that what if or what's exciting you, what are you thinking about, what's on your mind, what's something that you've read recently that's interesting to you, she's going to have a million different directions that she could go. And again, like you mentioned, she likes options. Once you get into that creative flinging spaghetti mode, Phoebe's going to light up, but you need to get the foot in the door and make her realize that you're not boxing her in that coaching is that thing that lives in the land of the good and you're not there to judge you just want to get to know her a little bit and she'll be receptive eventually so we've talked about a lot in this very semi-short period of time longer than our pop culture playground episodes but still a short period of time in the whole grand scheme of things what's a takeaway that we have from our conversation So I would say one of the key things I've pulled from this is that personality types are incredibly useful and there's a lot that we can do with them, but to keep the framing of the use of personality types to be something that we do in the service of others. We are doing this to offer them customized communication, to help them as the individual and the unique person that they truly are, and bring things to the table that help us better understand them and get them what they need, not box them in, not limit them, not use it as a way to judge them. For me, I really love what Jane Kesey says about the idea of a resistant teacher or a resistant person. She says, honestly, there really aren't resistant teachers. It's just if the teacher is demonstrating a resistant mindset, it means that their needs aren't being met. So how can we meet their needs better than knowing who they are and how to communicate with them? And that's going to break down a lot of the barriers or the walls that you initially have. And the more you can practice that, the more you're going to see that resistant attitude or approach to something fade from that person. And for me, Emily, you've mentioned this a couple of times most recently in our last piece, but personality types, it's only one part of the puzzle. It's only the frame. It really comes down to asking questions and clarifying, getting confirmation, summarizing what it is you're hearing during that collaborative conversation in order to move someone forward or meet a particular goal. So it's only one piece, but ultimately helps us make the picture and growth and learning so much clearer. All right, we ready for a game? This has been so serious. Yeah, totally ready. (laughs) So we're going to play a version of Most Likely To Now, and we're going to use games and puzzles as our theme for this. So typically, when you have an icebreaker activity, it's an activity where you're trying to get to know someone. 
And this is where you can actually see facets of people's personality types come out very clearly when you have a game like this. So who would be most likely to complete the activity or the icebreaker even once time is called and it's time to move on to the actual learning of the day? (laughs) Rule follower Jenny, she outs herself for us. I know you guys can't see it. I'm pointing at myself. I hate tasks that are unfinished. (laughs) I need to get that activity done. Oh, yeah. There's that J, Jenny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right, which one of us would be most likely to use the game or the icebreaker to get to know someone in the room? This one's hard because we're all like that I, we're all that introverted piece. But when we mentioned that we were all blue people also, that we are all innate coaches that try to connect with other people, even though we recharge in that introverted fashion, we all want to get to know people too for being the best at what we do. I would say Casey. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say Casey. I love it. I love when you guys disagree. Sorry. Casey's like, I would hate to. No, I want to stay in the corner. Wallflower. Wallflower. Yes. Like when we would do learning partners, I would just find my friends. do learning partners i'm like i know you i know you i know you let's talk about what we're all right i'll give that to you but the reason i said you casey was because i see you mostly in the facilitation realm and when you are leading those activities you really do genuinely care about your participants and you are really trying to get to know them Mm -hmm. but i guess if you are a participant you might feel differently yeah and i would say Emily, because I feel every conversation you have with people, you approach it from, I want to learn more. It's an opportunity to learn more. It's an opportunity to sponge, soak up something, not use them in a sense, but to learn something new. So that's why I said you. I will take that. I am always curious about people and getting to know people is fun for me. And then finally, who is most likely to ignore the rules and not listen to directions? (laughs) That's me too, guys. That's me. Casey's giggling. (laughs) Casey, do you think it's you? I do think it's me. Because remember that grad school class, Jenny, where I was always not paying attention? Totally. I had to take notes for you all the time. (laughs) And clarify the directions because I was focused on something else. (laughs) You're a consummate multitasker. I am. But sometimes I don't do it so well. (laughs) And then I was at recently like a murder mystery party where oh, I was no. praying, praying I didn't get a vital important part. <laughs> Turned out I didn't. But <laughs> still that I was just like, I'll talk to one person and do my spiel and then I'll just stand here. So Emily, why would you say that it's you? Honestly, when it comes to icebreakers, a lot of times it kind of goes back to that other one you said I use it to get to know people. If I'm in a like a game night or an icebreaker, I bend rules just because first of all, I, I am also that personality type that doesn't like to be boxed in. So I like to just keep it fast and free and loose. Keep it fast and free, have fun with it. And like it, say icebreaker style, I'm in a good conversation with somebody but I was only supposed to ask them one question. I don't want to stop asking them questions. I'm going to keep doing it. Sorry. I don't want to be limited by the rules. Oh, and that just, I'm like, no, I have to follow the rules. (laughs) So I see you people over there doing that. I'm like, oh, it drives me crazy. No, sorry, Jenny. (laughs) All right. And tell us about what's to come on season two of the Grounded Learners Guild. All right. So yeah, we're trying to bring some fresh new topics for season two. Some of our upcoming episode topics include neurodivergence. So we wanted to dive into that a little bit and talk about it. 
as it applies to our learners, to adult learners, talk about some of the brain hacks and strategies one can employ both working with folks who are neurodivergent and also to help yourself. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the dark side of the guild. So we opened up last season talking about just what a guild is and what incredibly positive things it can bring to your life if you're in that highly functioning team that we would consider a guild. But what happens when a guild isn't functioning the way it should? Or what happens when not all members are benefiting from a guild? Examine the uh, dark side of that mirror. So we're going to talk about a lot of new topics this season and we're looking forward to diving into those ones now. Next. Hope you can join us. And that's a wrap for episode one of GLG's sophomore season return. It's so good to be back behind the mics. Thank you for coming back around to engage more with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of a high-functioning team. If you'd like to connect with the guild, the power of the PLN forges on. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assist others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. That way you will be notified with a reminder when our newest episodes drop. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.